Do you love me? Do you love me? Kim talked about it two weeks ago, this beautiful picture of grace. In the moment of embarrassment, in this moment of letdown, in this moment of pain, where Peter denied Jesus three times, Jesus then reinstates Peter three times by asking the question, do you love me? I've been intentionally asking that question in my mentoring sessions uh, this last couple of weeks, just asking our guys and those who are in my office, hey, do you still love Jesus? And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah. And it's kind of like, a, like you think it would be a given, right? So it's a weird question to be asked. And so I wonder what Peter felt in that moment three times over, right? Like, yes, Jesus. Yes, I said yes. I love you. How many times do you need to ask? Uh, but it's a good question to ask ourselves. Do I love Jesus. Our prayer focus this week is love. Second in our 10-part series of our prayer covenant. This is the part of the prayers we'll put up there. By grace, make being with you, loving you, and obeying you my highest priority. Being with God, loving God, and obeying God. Scripture verse that was encouraging to me over the summer was this one, or Psalm 119, 10 to 12. It says, I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, Lord. Have you ever heard of the book, The Five Love Languages? Have you ever read the book, Five Love Languages? Okay, totally fine if you haven't. People still know of it. Uh, have you discussed those five love languages with friends, family, maybe a significant other, and have gone through them? Anybody know what they are? What are they? Just shout them out. Physical touch, gifts, quality time, words of affirmation, acts of service. Great, wonderful. Okay, which one is yours? Say it on the count of three. One, two, three. Did somebody say all the above? <laughs> I thought I heard that. <laughs> all the above. Well, yes, I, shouldn't, I should say your primary. Okay, all of us need, yes, all the above, but your primary love language. Okay, primary love languages, those five that we mentioned. Uh, mine, unfortunately, has not made the list of the five love languages. And I'm a little bit uh, angry that mine is not on here. I think Dr. Gary Chapman needs to make an expansion pack to his book, The Five Love Languages, and needs to call it The Sixth Love Language. I think you could write an entire book on just the sixth one alone. And mine is food. Yes! Yes! I know. Food is my love language. The endorphins that rush through my body when I eat something that tastes so good. Seriously, my wife is the best cook that I know. You know what? Chef Jason in the kitchen over here is good as well. But uh, Rebecca, she would be angry if I mentioned that. So uh, my wife is the best cook. I know she really, truly is. Her baking too is out of this world. Uh, and when she makes me for my birthday every year, all I ask is a gourmet sandwich. So she just changes up every year a kind of sandwich that she makes. She made like a, a raisin cinnamon bread with like a pork loin and smoked applewood cheddar and all this stuff. Like unbelievable, these gourmet sandwiches that she makes. Her baking as well is just unreal. Her peach biscuits, 
Peach biscuits, unreal. Probably one of the best things I have heard or have heard, have eaten of hers that she's made. Uh, her, she makes like peach lemon basil pie. Like I'm talking all homemade. Like, and the lemon basil herbs from her own garden, okay? Uh, her baking is amazing. So when I eat something of hers, I will fix anything. I will do anything. I will clean anything. I will, I will go anywhere for her. I eat something nice. Like I actually this morning for breakfast, confession time, I ate a cinnamon bun that she had made for Dave Demchuk because it was his birthday on Friday, <laughs> last Friday. Uh, and so I brought him a half dozen cinnamon buns. Actually, he only got five uh, cinnamon buns because <laughs> I ate one for breakfast this morning. And seriously, oh, when I eat something of hers, I'm like, here, take the credit card. Get whatever you want and leave me in this moment right now. So food is my love language. But here's the thing. Knowing your own love language is one thing, okay? Knowing and understanding the other person's love language in which you're expressing your love to is a whole nother story, right? So naturally, we want to show others uh, our love by how we desire to receive love. That's a natural, immature way of expressing love. But a mature way, a real way to show real love is to focus on the object of my affection and less about my expression, right? About what the need is of the other person. They will feel loved if I love them according to their primary love language. So Logan, I'm not going to love you the way that I want to be loved. I'm going to know what you need to be loved by and love you that way. Quality time. Wonderful. That's my wife's. Quality time. So in Revelations 4, it states that God created all things. And he created all things for the purpose of his pleasure and will that he would be glorified, that he would be honored, that he would be praised. All things, all things God created to give him praise. We were created to worship. We were created to love God. And most people are quick to acknowledge that worship is a personal experience, right? It's this thing where I meet with the Lord, it's intimate, it's personal, it's me and him. And, and there's my expression of worship that I enjoy and connect with the most. And some people are like, well, my expression of worship is what I feel most intimate and near Jesus. So I express worship in this manner and in this format. And I'm not against that because I think it's wonderful to worship the Lord in the personalities and the desires that he's given to us and created us in that we acknowledge and worship him back in what feels most intimate, where we connect the most with the Lord. But we can't just solely consider what my needs are in worship, right? If real love is to focus on the object of my affection and less about my expression, I would say the same thing is true about worship. That worship, true worship, is less about my expression and all about the object of my affection. So my worship and my love to God is less about my needs and more about who he is. So that begs the question, what is God's primary love language? Have you ever thought about it before? Yeah? Wonderful. Well, we're going to have a great time together this morning. If our prayer, if our prayer this week is by your grace, make being with you and loving you, what is God's primary love language? 
First one in this, and in no particular order, is praise. The word praise. Littered throughout scripture, our English word praise takes dozens of Hebrew and Greek words that all have been translated into the English word praise to describe this love language of God. We all were created to bring him glory and honor and praise. So this English word, when when it's translated from Hebrew or Greek into English, so many of the meanings behind it and so many of the nuances behind it, they get lost in the translation. Our English language sucks in that sense, in the richness and the depth of language that we can experience through others, right? And we study Greek, we study Hebrew to learn these beautiful things. We're going to go through some of that this morning. We're actually just going to land on specifically one book, the book of Psalms, first originally written in Hebrew, and seven different words in that book get translated into the one word praise. Seven different words get translated into one. And, And the expressions and the meanings behind each of those words actually somewhat differ from one another totally. And so it's interesting that they all get brought down, funneled to one word praise. And so if praise is one of God's primary love languages, let's go through these, okay? First one is this, Hallel. Hallel is to boast, it's to rave, it's to celebrate. We say the word hallelujah, right? And the the yah at the end is God. So this to praise, to boast, to rave, to celebrate God is what hallelujah means. Psalm 22, those who seek the Lord with praise, hallel, praise him. Those who seek the Lord will celebrate him. They will boast of him. Those who seek the Lord will rave about God. God enjoys it when we hallel him. Second is yada. Yada means to acknowledge someone or something in public with your hands extended. Not privately, but publicly hands extended. It's this literal meaning of hands extended to the heavens. And in Psalm 138, I will yada you, I will praise you, Lord, with all my heart. So think about a young child running to a parent in, like, in public, unashamed of their love for their father or their mother. Hands raised, running towards in that big scoop up and hug. I love it. That's one of my favorite moments with my children. And so I can understand that that would be one of God's primary love languages. Hands raised towards him. Barak, number three, conveys, uh, it means to convey blessing, to give thanks, bowing down, kneeling as a sign of humility and gratitude. This is somewhat opposite from that Hallel side, right? That celebrate. Uh, So what it is, I'm going to praise God by bowing down. This posture of thanksgiving and of gratitude. Psalm 103 says, praise Barak, the Lord, my soul all my inmost being. Zamar means to make music to God. Psalm 150 says, praise him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise him with the harp and lyre. Praise him with the timbrel and dancing. Praise him with the strings and pipe. Praise him with the clash of cymbals. Praise him with the resounding cymbals. cymbals. And all my drummers said, amen. Okay. (laughs) Twice it says cymbals in there. There's got to be something that God loves about drums a little bit, right? 
Music seems to be a big part of God's love language. Uh, next one is Shabbat, means to shout, to address in a loud tone, to holler. Psalm 63 says, Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise Shabbat you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. Okay, God's love is audible. He desires not only our hands raised, but so our voices too. He loves it when we sing to him. He loves it when he can hear us, even if we're muffled by masks. He loves to hear us. He also loves for us to hear one another. Can I tell you, it's a little bit unique preaching to physical people because I have yet to do so in the last seven months of my life. I've preached to cameras in the last seven months. But preaching to people is a little different, and there's a little bit of an adjustment in getting used to. And you know what else I've learned? Being in church and worshiping the Lord together with people, we also need a little bit of relearning and readjusting. It's been a bit awkward in our last couple of services, maybe the first week, of just feeling okay to raise our hands, feeling okay to sing out loud. It's like, oh, are we allowed to do this? Oh, this is actually kind of nice. Can I encourage you to use your voices? Sure, you got your masks on, you may be muffled, but the Lord can still hear you, okay? If we're to worship the Lord in Shabbat, it's to be loud. It's to be uh, so others can hear, so the Lord can hear with hands raised. This is the Lord's love language. Amen? Yeah. Hey, okay. Next one is Tauda. means to praise God by lifting our hands towards heaven in adoration. So I know we talked about this already with the yada, hands up, right? Like a child running to a father. Uh, tauda is like the difference of like hands like this. It's like receiving receptively from the Lord. If yada is reaching up to God, Tauda is like receiving from God. See the difference there? Psalm 50, those who sacrifice thank offerings Tauda, honor me, and to the blameless, I will show my salvation. And the last one is Tehillah, means exuberant singing. Exuberant singing. I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise, Tehillah, will always be on my lips. There's something about using our voices and instruments and music and hands raised that God desires and is his primary love language. We are created to worship. We are created to love. Because God is love, we are created by love. We are created in love to love. By your grace, make being with you and loving you and obeying you my highest priority. Which leads into his second primary love language. And again, in no particular order, is obedience. Love and obedience are inseparable in Scripture. They must not be separated, taken apart. Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commands. And Jesus repeatedly connected love and obedience. He says, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. Loving obedience is at the heart of Christian discipleship. If we separate it, if we try to separate just love or just obedience, if we're doing just obedience, we miss the point of loving Jesus and think it's all about just doing spiritual things and avoiding sinful things. That's missing Christianity altogether. 
If it's just about rules, then we forfeit the sacrifice of Christ on the cross. But if it's all just about love without obedience, we get into what Bonhoeffer calls cheap grace. Where there's forgiveness without repentance. I see my scholars in the back happy about that. Communion without confession. Grace without the cross. Grace without Jesus. And unfortunately, this has been happening for years. It's happening in the church today. It's happened in the church previously. It's the primary reason why 1 John was written. Because it was happening in the early church. Where people would try to separate love and obedience. Discipline and commitment to the Lord. I hear often in my office in times of mentoring, and I'm not looking to downcast anyone because I've gone through this and many are. People are struggling, having a hard time. And I ask, how's your time with the Lord? Do you love Jesus? Are you consistent on habits and spiritual disciplines? And the answer is often no. Well, I think there's a correlation here. Again, it's not just about doing spiritual things and avoiding sinful things. It's about loving Jesus. And that encompasses both sides of love, praise, and obedience. You guys, band, can come on back up. 1 John 5, 1 to 3 says this, Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. This is how we know that we love This is how we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commands. And in fact, this is love for God, to keep his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. See, when we've fallen out of love with Jesus, his commands are burdensome and they're difficult and they're hard to stay consistent in and to be disciplined in. But if we love Jesus, those commands are actually delightful and they're satisfying and they're so fulfilling in the discipline consistent day in and day out of being obedient to his commands. Do you love Jesus? Students, do you love Jesus? Do you love him? I will seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, Lord. Listen to me. Christianity only works when you're in love. It's a marriage of faithfulness and commitment and obedience and sacrifice. Do you love him and seek him with all your heart? Or are you more attracted and enthralled by what God does for you? Is your focus on the object of your affection on God himself or mostly on what God does for you? And maybe this week, maybe this week could be a week where you focus on God's primary love languages, on praise, on those different formats that I had mentioned. And if you want this, I can give you all this info and obedience. And maybe this week, if you have yet to start praying through this prayer, I don't like using this word because Jesus is the only one who saves, but this thing saved me this summer. It saved my prayer life this summer because I got to this point of, of just not knowing what to say, 
frustrated on what I did want to say, not feeling okay expressing that because I wanted a proper way to express it. And this prayer honestly saved me. And I had a wonderful, wonderful time praying through it this summer and memorizing it. Wonderful time praying through it with Kim this summer. Wonderful time telling our staff about it and praying with it, with our staff with it. This last weekend, uh, sorry, two weekends ago, I went to the island and two friends that I went to school with, I brought this thing with me. And I'm like one of those old Christians with tracks now that are going around giving around to people. (laughs) And I gave this to them. And we've been praying every day for each other for the last eight or nine days now, this prayer together. And we've been texting each other. And this thing has helped. It's just a tool. It's Jesus that saves, but man, this thing has been wonderful. And so can I ask you in your love for Jesus this week to focus on praise and obedience and maybe to use this. If you haven't done so yet this semester, I encourage you to start today. To use it, to pray with your roommate, to get a friend, to pray together, and to commit to pray in this throughout the semester. We're going to respond together. So why don't you stand with me? Jesus, we thank you for your love. Father, thank you that you have created everything for your purpose and your pleasure that you would be praised, you would be adored, that you would be worshipped. And so, Lord, in this moment, yes, we do so physically together in the form of singing. We want to love you according to your love languages, to what your word says and how to express ourselves. But we know that praise uh, doesn't cease here in this room, that it is to go out. Out of these walls, in our hearts, with us every day. And Lord, that we would be obedient to your word, that we would know your word, that we would study your word, that we would ingest your word in our hearts. And that we would be faithful in living that out by loving you. Let's sing together.